Welcome to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dear Alice. Today, we are answering your questions. It's your favorite podcast and ours. We love we love knowing what you guys want to know from us. Yes, makes yes. it makes it uh, interesting for us. It does. And know that we can always answer your questions. Sometimes if they're short, we'll put them in a podcast like this and answer a whole bunch of them rapid fire. Or sometimes we'll do a long one because your question deserves a lot of words and a lot of attention. So not question is not one question is not better than the other though. True that. Yes. Yes, that is true. But first a quick word from our uh, sponsor, Alice Lane. Uh, If you guys um, have ever wanted to follow the design process, our Instagram shows it all on, on Alice Lane interiors. That's the interior design side of our business. And I'm guessing since you are listening to an interior design podcast, that it might be interesting for you to see the visual of that. So if you are on social media, we are on Instagram. We have two different accounts that Alice Lane Interiors shows us building homes and remodeling homes and the whole process of it, the making of it all the way through the finished um, beautiful portfolio images and hopefully published images as well. So that's a really fun account to see sort of how the sausage is made on interior design. And then you can also follow us at Alice Lane Home, which is um, the furnishing side of our business. And that will show you um, a lot of the beautiful product that we carry, products that are on sale, products used in certain spaces if you're interested in buying them. And then we also have a really awesome team that helps design uh, furnishings only. And they do that service for free. So you can tap into them on Alice Lane Home. So check us out at Alice Lane Home or Alice Lane Interiors. We'd love to have you follow along. Feel free to uh, DM us or also ask us questions about any specific projects. We're happy to answer back. Now let's get into their questions. Okay. Uh, The first one I think is a great one to start with. This is kind of like a topic we've talked about in multiple episodes of Dear Alice. Yes. So um, the listener is asking, can you elaborate on the art of effing it up a bit or how to give a room that slap in the face? For a safe decorator who wants to inject something bold, how do you choose something that you won't tire of when the shock value presumably wears off? I'm thinking lots of us have, and she mentions like a couple names we won't, but like the farmhouse look, um, since they're so achievable, Anyone can put those looks together. The problem is that all of our houses look the same. So where to begin when you want to take a good foundation, throw in a curveball to create some, some uniqueness? I'm thinking interesting collections of art, etc. But it somehow feels like um, that really achievable look. Thanks so much. This is a really good question. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to first start out by saying um, the art of effing it up a bit. Um, this kind of comes from, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but a long time ago, Rachel Zoe, the celebrity stylist, had a show. And she taught people how to style people's outfits and showed celebrities being styled for the red carpet. And Brad Goretzky was her assistant. And he's this really fabulous gay. And he's really outspoken and super fun. And of course, all the girls love him. Um, So anyway, the next season, we see Brad get his own show because he's gone out on his own. And Brad was dressing, I think... I think it was Cameron Diaz for a show and she's wearing all white. And he's like, we need to F this up a little bit with some coral. Like meaning like we need to put like a f- coral belt on or a something, but it was just like too perfect. Mm-hmm. And so I've just taken that from uh, Brad Gretzky probably a dozen years ago. 
And I just thought it was so funny that when something's just too perfect, you kind of have to slap it in the face or F it up a little bit with some coral in his words, but you know, it might be something else. I, I really love what you're saying. Um, whoever sent us in this question, I think it's a great one because there is like this thing that's really safe about doing the same thing that your neighbors have or buying the same thing. Um, but there is something really rewarding about having a home that's unique to you and really original to you. And I remember I worked for this client once that said, I don't want what everybody else has. In fact, don't sell me anything that anybody else is going to have in the future that you're going to continue to sell. And so we had to do this exercise of going to um, the Denver Design District and the LA Design District and choosing lines that we don't carry and choosing um, original art and um, original rugs using rug lines we don't typically use that are super exquisite. And it was such a fun exercise. We just had to absolutely break our own mold so that he would have an absolutely original home. And it's one of the most things that we're proud of today. Unfortunately, we can't shoot it because he doesn't want anybody to copy it. <laughs> and um, we're sad that we can't share the images. This house is 40,000 square feet. So it took us the better part of five years to do. And we're super proud of the work. It's really stunning. But I, what I did learn from that project and what I want to pass on to you is that you really do want your own look. You are all individual people. And the more you try to look the same, the more comparison comes in to play. So one way to really slap that room in the face is first thing is going to be like color. So wall color. Um, there's been a big trend with this whole farmhouse thing where everybody's using the same paints, most of which are white walls, white trim, um, blonde floors, you know. So I think you can get a lot of impact from a huge rug underfoot because that's like buying um, a really big piece of art for your room. And then you can throw your paint deck at that rug and you can choose a perfect color that's coming up from that rug and then paint your, your room a color, whatever it is that you want to live with. But that immediately is going to change the temperature of your room. And it's the most affordable thing you can do for the biggest impact. So that's a thought. Or you could always wallpaper, which is super, super hot right now. That's also going to give you your own look. But first, I would like start by really going through and staring at all your favorite rooms, whether it's in your saved file on Instagram of all your saved favorite rooms. Maybe it's um, your Pinterest folders, but you're going to see things that you love and start to notice those form common denominators and be like, gosh, every time I see this room, I love it. Every time I see this green kitchen, I want one, mm -hmm. you know, Corey has a green kitchen. Yep. So um, I think that you'll see, you'll feel emotionally like how you're reacting to these things that just turn you on and then start to do those things to your room. So you can, you can do a lot. If you change up the rug, you change up the color of your room, you can change the um, throw pillows on your sofa. You can always get larger lamps. People usually forget end tables in their house. And so some of the styling too, I think can get really sophisticated and really artsy original art. Um, I think hitting up um, vintage shops always give you something really original that only you're going to own it. So that's really fun. Um, but I don't know what style exactly you're going after, but those are a few ways that you can really switch up what you already have. Awesome. Um, next question. How would you suggest displaying family pictures? I've noticed most of your designs do not have large family pictures in them. Do you split display them in albums or smaller picture frames? Any other suggestions? Yeah, it's a, that's a hard thing. I feel like we, we were in an era where people would all do a huge family picture and frame it and they would just decorate with their family 
photos, mm-hmm. formal family pictures, like in a studio setting, not even outdoors. And then, and then I moved to the outdoors and they'd carry an old ratty chair into an apple orchard and, <laughs> and take your yeah. kids' pictures, you know, mm-hmm. wearing Mary Janes and tights or whatever. And so it, it was like always the same, you know, the same thing that was trending. So it's hard because, you know, I'm always like never hang a family picture in the entry because you don't want that door-to-door salesman counting up your children and, you know, sort of sorting out a plan on how he's going to make more money on the back end or something. So I think that, I think you would do it in the innermost personal parts of your home. I, I guess when I think about where I love looking at family pictures at my mom's house, cause she has them of us and I swear she doesn't buy a lot of art, but she has invested a lot in framing the pictures of her kids and they have a hallway going back to their bedroom. That's like one of my favorite places whenever I go home and it's like from the floorboards all the way up to the ceiling, just like pictures of all of us. And it's like us in high school or us in our wedding or, you know, just like great moments in time. And it's this frozen time capsule. And so it's a gallery wall. I still think the gallery wall is beautiful and um, it's a great place to go and like see your history and for you to show your kids and whatnot. And it's like going back to, to their bedroom. So every night when they go to bed, they see all their kids, even though we're not there anymore. So a collection of them, I think is really great. I, I have seen too, like, you know, Ralph Lauren, I think does a beautiful job of putting a lot of picture frames all on like a large side table in a formal room with beautiful events happening. And it's not like so much of a garage sale of picture frames, but they're really beautiful and they might all have, you know, um, uh, polished nickel uh, corners or details to them. And they're, they kind of graduate in height from 11 by 14, say by tens, you know, they kind of graduate down like that and it feels really purposeful um, so I think built-in shelves are a really great way for family photos. They can be, be even bigger than eight by tens, but that's a place where the family is and the family can look at pictures of themselves or people come over to hang out and they kind of laugh or they grab it off the shelf and they're like, tell me the story about this. So it's a great way to get conversation started too. Mm. So I like, I think those are some really fun ways. One other instance, um, we did in a client's home was in each of the children's bedrooms, they had a vestibule before you went into the room, meaning you opened a door, you were in a small um, little area and then you open another door and you're in the room. So that in between area is called a vestibule. So they, um, we wallpapered the vestibules in something that just really made those, those kids, those preteens happy at the time. And then we, we just littered the all of the walls with all their best moments. And, and the kids were dancers or, you know, anything that they're great at, all the pictures were framed in the vestibule of just them. So they had their own little moment of all their things. And you can even frame their artwork, you know, and then they really installed them, hung them on the wall with a nail. And it's like one of the most beautiful prized spaces for these kids to just be in their own space and see all their own moments. So I think there's great moments to do it without having to quote unquote decorate with family pictures like over a mantle and do it in a formal way. Yep. Uh, Next question. Would you would love to know what siding you used on your home, Jess? Good question. Um, So on my house, I have um, I have uh, cedar shingles from Michigan pre-stain and you can choose a color that you want them. And then, um, Aside from my shingles, I have a stone foundation. And then where there's siding, that is hardy board. So, and that's installed horizontally. 
And then I had to choose paint for that color. And that was hard. Yes. We just talked about that in another podcast. We did. Yeah. We did. <laughs> yes. Okay. The next question is achieving a luxe look for less. How yeah. do you do that? How I think about that? that, you know what? I think we all do this. I think Sue does this. I do this. Um, you probably do this. Mm. I, I feel like luxe to me is something that, you know, I learned from watching the greats. And I think one that we all understand and know is Ralph Lauren. You can go into his showroom right now. They're at Theodore Alexander. Um, if you guys are to the trade and you can experience his showroom. And the one thing that they have in common is scale. Mm -hmm. Scale makes everything, scale meaning the size of things. It makes everything feel more luxurious, more expensive. Air on the larger side of scale. Yeah, yes. for sure. The rugs are massive. The side tables are huge. They could be small dining tables. Um, the lamps are like a normal lamp. Not a normal lamp, but a, a normal lamp that we would like to use is probably 36 inches tall. A Ralph Lauren lamp is for, in the 40s of inches, 42, mm. 48. Um, huge ginger jars that are turned into lamps with big white linen shades. And he just, his chandeliers are massive. The scale of his lighting is bigger than anything else that Visual Comfort has. So if you choose big, you're going to look luxe. That doesn't mean you have to pay luxe prices. Um, so I think you can incorporate that, you know, whether you love vintage shopping or you love shopping at home goods, you know, you can look for the larger items and bring those home and you're going to make your house feel more grand and more luxe by using larger, anything larger. Totally. Yeah. One, two things that I, re I remember just, I mean, I've learned this from being on this podcast and you and Sue's talking about it, but mm -hmm. when like throw pillows, for instance, that was just kind of like a light bulb to me. Yeah. It was like, if you buy two bigger, like 22, 24 inch pillows, mm -hmm. you don't need all those little small ones. So therefore you're like saving, you know yeah. what I mean? Some money. You don't have to buy a bunch of 18 or 20 inch pillows. Definitely. The next when going to, um, uh, what is like not secondhand, but like, uh, vintage, vintage, mm -hmm. yeah. Vintage shopping using, like maybe an old like dining table from that and like using that as a side table to get, yeah. uh, you know, a larger scale. Totally. Those two things were both when I heard them, I was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And maybe a better or a good way to get the luxe look for less, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because one of the things about vintage shopping is that in, in my opinion, everything back then was smaller mm -hmm. because the people were smaller. Everybody think about your grandma. The homes were smaller too. Exactly. The yeah. cars, the cars were smaller, you mm -hmm. know, even like if you think about, you know, some of the earlier series of like a BMW three in the eighties was tiny. Mm -hmm. BMW three today is like a full blown sedan. So everything's getting bigger. So when, when we do say go vintage shopping, the dining tables, like you're saying, are smaller scale and you can easily use those as an end table and it will look so regal and people will want to know where you got it. Yep. You'll say, sorry, it's vintage. It's the one of a kind. Yeah. And you giggle inside and you're like, I'm winning. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. So um, yeah, to Corey's point, um, large throw pillows, you use way less and you look way more luxe. So get rid of all those little ones that poly fills. You want down fills inside of them. And yeah, you want to start, depending on how deep your sofa is, a 24 on the back and then move, graduate to a 22 inch. If your sofa is not very deep, you're going to start with a 22 and graduate to a 20. If you have a big, deep sectional, you might even need a Euro size, a 26 inch in that yeah. deep corner. So yeah, big everything. Um, always, always err on the side of bigger if you love the Lux look. Cool.
How to find affordable modern chandeliers when you can't afford Kelly Wurstler. Oh, girl, I hear you. We all want that Kelly Wurstler look. Um, couple things. So um, Hudson, Hudson uh, Lighting, they came out with the same plan as Visual Comfort. I'm going to get rocks thrown at me from Visual Comfort for saying this because we carry both lines. Um, so one of the, they had this guy that was really influential that came on to Visual Comfort that developed the line of Ralph Lauren lighting. And um, he was with Ralph for years, came to Visual Comfort, developed the lighting for them. And then um, he went to a couple other companies, landed at Hudson and did the same thing at Hudson as he did at Visual, which was bring licensed designers bring these beautiful collections. So they have a lot of really great designers. They're at least 30% less than visual comfort. Um, and the qualities and the size are big. There's like a few details missing, but I think that for the price, you can get a lot of bang for your book buck. So definitely hit up Hudson. Um, they are doing, I think, a really good job and they're just growing in popularity by the second. Also, you should know Visual Comfort, who is also whose retail site is called Circle Lighting. Visual Comfort is the um, wholesale brand that, that are making everything for Circa. They have a brand called um, Generation Lighting. Generation Lighting is made with different materials, but still beautiful, big. Um, they're not using, I don't think they're using real black brass. I think they're using plated mm. brass and they're using matte black. Um, they don't have any nickels as far as I can remember, but um, really good stuff. Uh, Kate Spade has a line through them. Kelly has a line through them. Um, all the favorites, they all have lines through them. So you can definitely save more money by getting the generation lighting through um, Circa if you guys are retail. Also vintage lighting. I think it's a really good way to get yeah. really interesting um, pieces that are big. And then, um, yeah, just cost savings. You could look at eBay as well. Um, uh, estate sales, you know, I think there's That'd a lot fun. of, a lot of good ways to save, but as far as like in, in the professional design world, um, there's also a line called Regina Andrews. That's um, kind of hit and miss, but they have lighting. Sometimes they knock off the grates. So it's a good way to get something that's not Kelly, but might look like Kelly. So again, that's Regina Andrews with an S on the end. Yeah, couple. those are a couple of lines to look into, but yeah, I hope that helps. Cool. How to make your own design board for a build? Yeah, great question. Okay, so a couple of things that I like to do, and I give this advice a lot. Um, I would go to Pinterest if I were you. And then you can search certain keywords until you find your favorite image. And then you're going to save that image in, um, you're going to make a, a folder called dream house or whatever. And then within dream house, or maybe it's the new address or, you know, you can call it whatever you want. I called my dream house. And then within it, you're going to make folders for all the rooms in your dream house. So you're going to have like your master suite. You're going to have your powder bath, your kitchen, your family room, your living room, whatever spaces you have, your home office. Um, and you're just going to allow yourself to dream. Don't think about anything else, but just dreaming of what it's going to be. You can always value engineer your most beautiful ideas. So don't scale back. Once you find that beautiful image, stay on that and then scroll from there um, down the screen. Because um, once it's open, you scroll because anything like that image will start to come up. It might even be that image of the same room, but different angles. And then you can just keep pinning that to whatever room that is. Let's say it's a kitchen that you're obsessed with. 
you're going to get every angle of that kitchen. And then you kind of keep going through that, go down a rabbit hole. And then you just keep saving your favorites. And then on your favorites, once they're open, you scroll down and find more, or you find out who the designer is and you search their work. So you find everything that you want to look at in kitchens. And then you can save what you want about the kitchen. Love these pendants or love this countertop material or... You know, I love the way they laid out their drawers instead of using cupboard doors or, you know, you're going to form mm -hmm. opinions when you're looking at it about every single room and every detail in the house. And then when you go to your dream house and you're trying to communicate to your builder what you like, you can easily print it off and, and give him a few images for him to share with his subs. Um, but it's a great way to continue back and access it, especially if things are not going right. You're like, just a minute, let me, let me get my head straight again. And let me remember like my North star is kind of what we call it in house. Let me remember who I am and then I can give better direction. But um, sometimes when you see too much, then you get confused about what you want. And so keep going back to that North star. You know what every builder should do is they should have a Pinterest. Um, yeah. Uh, what is it called? Uh, like a board? Account, yeah, yeah. That their clients can share with them so they can be like, this you, is so-and-so's house and but, just but have all as, that. As an owner, a homeowner, I can share my board with whoever I want to. So mm -hmm. I can invite you to my board and then you're in. So they should ask for, they should say, hey, do you have any Pinterest boards you want me to invite? You want to invite me to? And if it's well-organized like that, he'll be more likely to use it than if it's just like a million pictures in a folder and he doesn't know if you like the yeah. kitchen or if it's just the lighting or you really only like the countertops but you hate the kitchen or do you know what I mean yep. so that's why the main folder and then all the folders within the folder are a great way to organize it yeah then you can have like your architect on it your designer invite everybody yep. that needs to be in that yeah that's awesome uh is backsplash out is it all about the slab now I think I know where you lean on this, but I feel like this is a, um, it's a really good question. Yeah. It definitely does. It depends on, it depends on what look you're going for. Cause we are working on this home and the, the wife is English and she really wants this English look. So of course you're going to do a backsplash, mm -hmm. you know, of, of really charming t tiles. I love that Moroccan tile look. We're doing that in, um, in our new building. Uh, because it's just so charming and just glossy and irregular and it just hits the light in a really beautiful artisan way. So it's more affordable for certain, but in 97% of the homes we do, we're using the slab as a backsplash now. Yeah. Okay. I like it. If you can afford it, do it. If your slab is extraordinary, do it. If you're using quartzite, don't do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Get a backsplash. You know what I mean? Because the veins on quartzite, no, Quartz. quartz. If you're using quartz, yes. sorry, not quartzite. Quartzite is the real material. Quartzite, quartzite is the real material. Yep. Quartz is the man-made material. Yes. So if you're using the man-made material, the veins look to me, they look injected. I think they look like varicose veins. I'm like, if you have to use that stuff, then don't use anything with veins because they haven't gotten it right yet. I, yeah. I bet they will down the road, but it's just not. It's not right yet. And so if you're going to elevate that um, slab and use it as a backsplash and have to see that fake vein every day, forget about it. I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a tile. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So I don't know. I think if you have quartzite or marble, then for sure you want to boast that, you know? Yeah. I kind of feel like the slab is a little, it feels a little bit more like luxe or high-end or sure. fashionable and it is it's more it, expensive because you're buying more slab to stick it on your wall yes yeah. um but i think like 
maybe artisanal is not the best word, but it kind of feels like a backsplash is like maybe a little bit more like creative, like my, maybe my personality. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Do you agree with that? For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's artsy and it's kind of eclectic and I don't know. I mean, like if you have leftover slab, if you're like really trying to make it all work, maybe you just use slab above the range Mm. on that range wall. And then those side walls where the rest of your kitchen is, maybe use a simple backsplash, you know, you really boast and go for it because that's your money maker shot in any kitchen. It's the range with the hood above it. And then you're filling in the space in between the two heroes Mm -hmm. with you know, slab, which was awesome. If you can't, if you don't have enough, I have seen in the old days that you suggest you slab only in that area and then backsplash the rest. Just, it's like a really nice solid surface for bacon grease to hit, you know, yeah, and not, not have, have to, to worry have about to clean the grout. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Um, that'd be more pioneer style or more, I don't know, definitely more simple, but I think that, I mean, yeah, we love it so much. In my, I don't have a lot of like, these are my opinions with this and this is exactly how I feel because I am pretty fluid um, and open to change. But with that, I say whatever you do, whether it's going to be slab or backsplash, go to the ceiling with it. I agree. Yes. Good so, point. Um, okay. Next question. How to face your home for the best natural light? And I don't know if you or I are uh, experts on this. But what, have your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So I have been to people's homes that are north facing and it is dark all the time. In the winter, the sun can't melt your front walks. So it's not only dark, but it's slippery mm. and it's not very inviting. And also if it's dark, then like nothing grows very pretty. So the, they don't have like great flower beds and do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it'd be like a shade loving yard. So maybe if you love shade loving plants, um, then... You know, you live in a hot area, like maybe Arizona or something. Maybe North facing is not a bad, a bad thing. Probably. Yeah. It's probably dependent upon where you live. In Utah, where we get snow loads, I think it's a bummer if you don't have a full-time shoveler, you know, yeah, because it's just an icy, slippery situation all the time. So I think for light in the home, which, you know, we're in this place right now where windows are bigger in homes than they ever used to be. Everybody craves natural light. I don't know anybody that doesn't want big windows and a lot of light in their home. Um, I think east facing or south facing is good, depending. I'm an east facing house. My backyard is west facing. That being said, it's too hot for me to go out in my backyard during the day. In the until it's like, in the full summer, so I sunset at night yeah. on my deck because it's manageable, it's comfortable out there, and it's really fun to watch the sun go down on my back deck away from my neighbor's eyes and everything, because nobody can really see you out there. So that's like a really special ritual for me. So I love having a west facing backyard for that reason, and an east facing front yard. How about you? What do you like? Mine is the same direction as yours, face uh-huh. east. Um, yeah, I think. Like our living spaces are in the back of our house. So mm-hmm. technically west facing, yeah. get a lot of natural light in our dining room and, mm-hmm. you know, um, great room and stuff. And we, we love that, you know, love to be able to like open the windows and get every, get all the sunlight in, um, kind of makes us feel like we're outside too. Yeah. Uh, but the downside to it, it gets like really hot in the summers there. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have to like, uh, invest a lot in, um, window treatments and stuff. So mm-hmm. And air conditioning. Yeah. But I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. That's the way. Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah. I think it's lovely. I think if you were talking to a landscape architect, they would have certain benefits for 
you know, sun loving, shade loving, different um, types of landscape design, depending on where you live. So I would always work with a professional that way, no matter if you, and if you bought a home and you didn't get to choose the way it was facing, um, or the only lot that was available was North facing, you could still probably make the most of it with the right professionals. Yeah. Like it, it and that, um, speaking to that, like if you're working with your architect closely, it's be like, this is where my house has to face, but we want the living spaces of this. And maybe they can draw something for you to where that will be oriented totally. to have lots of windows and create lots of light into the spaces in your home that you would like it. Yes, I agree. Okay. Uh, let's see. This is the last question. Um, blending styles, whether it's, whether it's family with totally different visions or different stages of life. How would you do that? Mm, you know what? I love this question. I think it's great because um, every single time we sit down with a new couple that wants to build their dream home, none of them have the same taste. I mean, the the husband, the wife, the husband, the husband, the wife, the wife, no matter what, they don't want the same really? thing. Yeah. Um, husbands in general, so this isn't all husbands, want something really clean. They want. They don't want clutter. They want more contemporary they want a simpler lifestyle. They don't want all the accessories, all the gunk, all the, you know, decor. Mm -hmm. They just want to live in a penthouse condo in the sky is their dream. If they're a man, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah. I mean, maybe they're okay with having a yard because they love to mow the lawn or whatever, but it's always more contemporary than the, than the wife. The wife wants something that she describes as quote unquote cozy. Yeah. You know, she just wants home to have this certain feeling when she thinks about raising her babies in this environment and whatnot. So we can always get there if you find out from them what is the most important thing to them. And I think if if um, they hear each other say, like, generally, if the man isn't really into it that much, he works, he's got hobbies, he loves to golf, do all these things, they usually only care about one or two things. So then you're like, hey, good news with the wife. <laughs> All we have to do is like give satisfy a these two things. Yeah, wants a, a garage with an epoxied floor and cabinets in it. Done, right? Mm -hmm. And and maybe he wants a modern front door that has a a pin in it, so it's like one of those really cool like. Um, like, uh, what do you call them? Like, like those rotating front doors, the so pivoting doors, oh, yeah. right? Yep. So maybe he's like, I dream of a pivoting door and I just want it to be modern. It's like, okay, so maybe the interior door hardware is going to be a little more contemporary because it's going to get along with that front door. And the guy just wants an epoxied floor in the garage and maybe a workout space, right? Mm -hmm. So the guys don't always want that much, which makes it really easy to blend a space for the two of them. It gets really hard if he starts picking on her and saying how he hates like everything, right? That she has. Usually it's not that deep. Um, and because transitional style is so easy to communicate today, a lot of people land there. I think we're really good at transitional. We're great at both sides of transitional, more contemporary, more contemporary or more traditional, but that generally makes both people really happy or also, we see that if they lived a certain way before and they're building a new house, they want nothing to do with the old house. So the only way they know how to communicate what they want is, I don't want what I had before. And then they're both on this new adventure together. So then you find out what's important for her in front of him, you know, so that he gets to hear it. And he's like, okay, I can agree to that. And then he says, what's important to him? I need a theater. I need a workout room. I need a garage. Great easy you know mm -hmm. and i want to make sure the fridge this time is you know i want two fridges or whatever so he solves every problem in his head and then 
the rest is easy from there. So same thing with like kids rooms, find out what's important to the kids, you know, find out what's important for her in the closet. Usually those are important spaces for her. I find is like closets, kitchens. Um, I don't know, maybe she's always dreamed of a certain thing in a front room. Like I've always wanted a grand piano or something like that. But I don't know. It's, it's generally not that overly complicated when you find out what they really need. Mm-hmm. You can make it's it just work. kind of like compromising. Like you want this and you want this. Yeah. And so we're going to do these things. And, and they then... think that they're north and south to each other. But really it's like You're you care about a few think. things. She cares about a few things. You both don't want the old house. That's great. We're building a new house. So you know, they'll generally say like, oh no, I can't have that. We had that in our old house. So do you ever get like, uh, the husband or whoever may be more like contemporary? Do you ever get them like saying that? And then you show them more like traditional designs and they're like, oh wow, like that is amazing. They end up going that route. For sure. We all have ways of of describing what we're doing differently. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really fun if you have like a couple Um, maybe it's a gay couple and they both have awesome tastes and they both love fashion and, um, they just want, they really want something amazing and they can talk about it through, um, clothes and other purchasing decisions they have. Maybe one of them loves their car and they talk about, I just love this kind of leather. And I, it's fun when they get really specific because they love design and, and then you can be on that journey with them. You don't have to educate them as you go. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, every every process of it is is really fascinating, but it's it's never as deep as you think it is. So yeah. it's not that hard to navigate. So if if I'm talking to you, um, listener, and you're trying to decide how am I going to blend our styles? He hates everything I like. You know, just really ask him to boil it down and say, tell me what is really important to you, and let's make sure that you get that in the house. And he'll be like, Wow, you're so nice. Thanks for caring. And then he'll probably be a little <laughs> yeah. bit easier to deal with. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that was it for today. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. If you have your own questions that you want answered, send them to our email. It's called Dear Alice at alicelanehome.com. We would love to feature them on the podcast and get them um, answered for you. We will catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating. 